verse in the Gospel of John. It's really powerful. John says, he sums up his Gospel by saying, these are just some of the things that Jesus did. I suppose if they were all recorded, John says, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Exaggeration? I don't think the Holy Spirit is given to exaggeration, do you? And if we believe that the Scriptures are the inspired revelation of the Spirit of God, then, 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 then maybe the answer is, is that there's more for us to see. And there's more that we have not yet perceived of the unveiling of God. And so the more we see of Him, the more I believe we will fall in love with Him. The more we know Him, the more we will, we will praise Him, but we will exalt Him. Listen to uh, just one of the verses, a part of the chorus. Uh, see if it sounds familiar to you of that song. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship His holy name. Sound familiar? Sing like never before. O my soul, I worship Your holy name. Here's a verse. One verse. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Uh, 10,000 reasons. Maybe even more than that for our heart to, to discover the, the, the awesomeness, the wonder, the splendor, the majesty of God. Exaggeration? I don't think so. Uh, l- l- listen to uh, Psalm one thirty nine. I thought of I thought of several songs. The first time I, I heard this song, I mean, there was an immediate, just kind of a connection with my soul to this song. I just loved it. But, but, but you know, it just brought some of the word of God to my mind. Uh, for instance, in Psalm one thirty nine, verse seventeen, the psalmist says this: "How precious." are your thoughts to me, O God. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. And at first it it seems like what the psalmist is saying is my thinking about God is precious. And that's true. But the next sentence reveals more of the heart of the psalmist. And what he's trying to say is how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Uh, there's a lot of sand, uh, but they are more in number. The thoughts that God has toward us, to think that, that God is thinking of us and that he sets his mind and his heart upon his children. Psalm 40, verse 5, says something similar, but with a slight little variation. He says, Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And we could... We can think about the creation itself, the, the amazing universe in which we... Listen, this, this was written... This is a song that was written 3,000 years ago. And you know what? Uh, we we kind of get tired if we, we've done a song for more than a year or so. You know, isn't that true? You know, here are songs. That, out of the song book, there's 150 songs that for generations, people of faith have embraced the hymns of, of the Psalms. And you know what? They're never old. They're never stale because they've been inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, 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 so listen to what the psalmist says. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. 
and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. The same sentiment, same thought. The sin, you you might be able to calculate the grains of sand. Certainly God would know how many grains of sand there are on all the beaches on the earth, but but it would take us, it would take us for eternity to be able to calculate that. And maybe that's what the psalmist is saying. Maybe what the psalmist is saying is that to think that God would think about us, that his thoughts toward us are so amazing, his acts toward us, his 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 kindness toward us, so so amazing. It would take it would take eternity. Uh, in fact, in fact, it would be impossible for us to number them all. So, so here's a, a statement I want to kind of float this morning because I don't believe this is this is poetic. I believe it is prophetic. I believe that in the ages which are to come, God is destined to show forth the exceeding greatness of His kindness toward us in Christ. I don't know all of what that means. But I know that it means that we will never be bored, that, that, that the revelations of God in eternity will never be stale. There will be new, fresh revelations. I love the way John Piper has, has put it. He says, when we've been there 10,000 years and, and we reach the summit of a, of, of, a, of a brand new unfolding of God's majesty and his greatness and his splendor and his character and his nature, and, and we go over that mountain, there will be another one and another mountain after that and another constantly for eternity, never exhausting the, the wonder and the awe of God. So here's the statement I want you to think about. Knowing God has an infinite number of thoughts and acts of kindness toward us from eternity past, continuing forever and ever, is our inspiring the heart encouraging. And that's my, my goal this morning is so that, that we could love him more, that we could know him more, and that in the process, the, the byproduct of that is that our hearts are in awe of him and that our hearts are encouraged by him. The psalmist says, how precious are your thoughts, O God, the, the Almighty, to think about the most fabulous person in the universe thinking about us and thinking about us from all eternity, that there was never a time that we were not in his mind. You know, Willie Nelson made the song famous, You Were Always On My Mind. But really, it's God who, who says to us, you, you're always on my mind and you're precious to me. Precious are, are, are my people in the sight of, of the Lord. Think about that. Do you ever wonder what happened to the uh, voice messages on 9-11? Some of, the, some of the passengers aboard Flight 96, some of the, the folks that were in the Twin Towers knew that this probably was going to be their last opportunity, took that opportunity to call home. Some of them didn't reach their loved ones as they had hoped, but reached answering machines or voicemail, and they left they left messages. They left messages like, like I, I love you. Tell, tell Sean I love him. Uh, tell the children that I love them, that I'll always, I'll always love them. Th- those voice messages. What, what do you suppose has happened to those voice messages? They've been, they've been listened to by their loved ones, literally hundreds and hundreds and 
hundreds of times. I, I've heard that, that, that copies have even been made and been distributed to other family members because there's something about, there's something about a voice. You know, a picture can, you know, can, can, can capture a moment, you know, and they even say that a picture is worth a thousand words, but, but a voice, a voice is a, is a breathing, living entity. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a living expression of that person. The Word of God is God-breathed. It's the living expression of God. The, Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is alive and powerful. That when the Scripture says that man doesn't live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth, it's the voice of God. And God has, has, has let His voice be made known both in his still soft voice in which he speaks into us and principally by, by the written word that he has breathed upon it becomes life to those that find it and health unto all their flesh. I want to look at one psalm in particular this morning, one song, uh, Psalm 103 this morning. Uh, it's believed that Psalm 103 was written, it's a Psalm of David, but it was written when David was older in his life, when he had a greater awareness of, of sin and, and the price of sin and a greater awareness of the, the preciousness of forgiveness. David would, would write, I believe it's in Psalm uh, 43, how, how, how wonderful is forgiveness, to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord, if the Lord would mark iniquity, he said, who could stand? But, but listen, we want to take a look at Psalm 103 this morning. Uh, there are 22 verses in Psalm 23. We're only going to look at the first four verses this morning. And uh, there's not one prayer request. There's not one petition. There's not one supplication. In these 22 verses, this is a, an expression of gratitude, of humble appreciation for the, for the acts of God's kindness, and, and, and not only for, for the things that God does, but for who God is. And so let me just read the verses, and then we'll come back, and we'll just kind of break them down a little bit. Verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's why this reminded me so of, of the song that was written by Matt Redman. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And again, verse 2, he says, and this is, not, this is not redundancy, but this is repetition for a purpose. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit or from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and with tender mercies or compassion. Father, just bless that reading of the word this morning. Five, I just want to take five of the reasons, five out of the 10,000 plus innumerable uh, reasons why our heart should go out to, to praise him this morning. Five. I think, of that, I think about David's selection, and there's more here in this psalm, but, but, but I want to just stay with this five. 
I just think about David. Remember when David was young and he was going up against Goliath and he, and he bends down and he picks up five smooth stones. He puts one in his sling and he puts, he puts the four in his bag. And he goes out and he runs to meet Goliath. You know? Did you know that David has come under criticism by some who, who, who said, if David's faith was really perfect, if it was really mature, he would have only needed one. In fact, he only needed one. So to me, it's kind of an unfair criticism. And then I've heard others on the other side of that kind of defend David and said, the reason why David chose five, if you could read about it in the book of Chronicles, that Goliath had four brothers. Now, I don't know if David knew that. That would be just as much presumption. If you, if you like me, are interested, however, in numbers, and, and, and there is a study of numbers, their significance in Scripture, five happens to be the number of grace. And I, and I think maybe, maybe that's the reason why at least I chose to look at these five this morning as weapons that are mighty in the hands of God. If, if we can get a hold of this this morning, uh, if we can draw on these just five things that the, the psalmist talks about as reasons to bless the Lord, to bless his holy name. I was talking with my son, Will, uh, earlier in the week. And by the way, let me just kind of mention, uh, my son, Will's a pastor in Virginia. And uh, on uh, tomorrow, he's leaving uh, for Burundi, Africa, for two weeks to train and teach pastors in that nation. And, and I would just appreciate it if you would just remember him in prayer for the Lord to bless him and uh, just protect him and, and just... Uh, Bless the ministry there, that their intention of, of blessing the pastors there in, in Burundi. But uh, I was, so I said to Will, I said, you know, my new series is going to be uh, based on Matt Redmond's song, 10,000 Reasons. He said, man, he said, that's awesome. He said, that, that's really cool. He said, Dad, how long do you think it will take you to preach about 10,000 Reasons? And I said, well, if I do one a week, you know, uh, 50 times a year, taking a two-week vacation, uh, it would take me 200 years, you know, much more time than I have. <laughs> so he said, so he said, so he said, Dad, I guess you'll have to start right away and finish it in eternity. And I said, son, I said, I said, I, I don't read about preaching in eternity. I read about worship. I read about praise. I read about singing. I read about beholding God before his throne, but I don't read about preaching. If there's anybody who's going to be preaching, it's going to be Jesus. Amen? But, but, but let me just say this about praise and worship, you know? And we had an awesome experience this morning of praise and worship. I cannot overstate to you the importance of praise in the life of a disciple. Praise is so the Bible says it's, it's beautiful. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. I mean, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I want you to get a hold of the significance and the importance of praise. David calls upon his soul here. He's, he's speaking to himself. And you are no fool who can commune with your own soul. You know, 
They say, oh, the guy's talking to himself. Listen, I, I think we need to do more talking to ourselves to get really in touch with our, with our innermost self. You know, we, we do a lot of talking. We talk, we talk, you know, we text, we, we, we talk to people, you know, but maybe one of the reasons why we don't like to be alone so much is because we need to learn how to cultivate the ability to just be alone with ourselves and to speak, to commune with our own heart. David did this, and he, and he commands his soul twice to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord. Praise is a powerful weapon. Uh, Jesus uh, gave a New Testament interpretation to an Old Testament scripture in Psalm chapter 8, David said, out of the mouth of babes and infants, God has ordained, he's fashioned strength to stop the enemy, to stop the enemy, to, to keep him from, 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 from advancing. And when Jesus interpreted that on the day in which he came into Jerusalem and the children were praising him, Jesus interpreted that by saying that out of the mouth of babes and infants, God's ordained praise. Praise is a powerful weapon that stops the enemy. The enemy can't stand the praises of God's people because God inhabits the praises of his people. Did you know that there was a time when Lucifer, the prince of darkness, was originally the choir director and the one who was to lead the praise of of Yahweh before the angels of God and the whole rebellion that took place? He hates praise. So I want to just encourage you, be praisers. Listen, he says, with all my heart, bless the Lord with all that is within me, with all my mind, will, and my emotions. This is no half-hearted praise that's being offered unto God. He's stirring up his soul. He's encouraging himself to bless God. He's having that conversation with himself, something that we should do. Now, let me just, here's the question I want to pose this morning. And the question is simply this. When you read that, bless the Lord on my soul, what does that mean? How could we bless the Lord? How could could we, the lesser, bless the greater? How could we, the creation, bless the creator from whom all blessings flow? I mean, he is the fountain of every good and perfect gift. How can we bless God? God, how can we enrich God? He enriches us all the time. He does for us so much. How can I do for him? And I think that David also is the one who holds the key to the answer to that. Number, number one, simply by, by acknowledging, by being grateful. We're coming up on one of the best holidays of the year, Thanksgiving. And, and you know, Thanksgiving isn't something that we do once a year. Thanksgiving is something that we enter into every time we come into his presence. We're to come with praise and thanksgiving, you know? I want you to think about, think about the importance of just being grateful. How many of you have been gracious to your kids, you know? And, and, and all you want, you don't want them to pay you back except with appreciation, with the expression of thankfulness, you know? And our Heavenly Father looks for the same. He looks for those expressions of appreciation that we would not forget, he says, any of his benefits. So 
in humility. But David, David gives us the key. He says, what can I give to, what can I render to the Lord for all of his benefits? That's the question. What could we, mere creatures, give to God for all of his benefits? David gives us the answer by saying, I will, I will receive and drink of the cup of salvation. See, God's not put out by all that he does for us. God is never, God is never frustrated. He's never angry. He's never weary at blessing his children. He, he, he delights in the prosperity of his servants. He wants to see us blessed. And so, and so receiving and, and drinking the blessings of God with the acknowledgement is one of the ways in which we bless the Lord. We bless the Lord with our praises, with our, with our worship as well. And it's his holy name that, that, that David focuses in on. What is it? His, his holy name. His name is the representation of his character. All of those revelations of God, both in the Old and New Testament, are the revelation of his character, his attributes. And not just the things that he does for us, but, but his person. His holiness glorifies all of those attributes. His holiness is his absolute uniqueness, his absolute purity, which makes all of his, his, his unending love, his mercy, his goodness, it just, it just magnifies all of what God is for us. And then he says, he says in that first verse, he says, and forget none of his benefits. You know, we, 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 we joke around about you know, memory, you know, uh, like the older we get, you know. Uh, on Wednesday at staff meeting, Doug, Doug was having, uh, a, I, I said he, he forgot something, right? Remember, remember that, Joe? You know, remember, see, you're having a senior moment. Doug, Doug had forgotten something. He said, I forgot. And I, and I said to him, I guess you're having a senior moment. You know, you, you're over that 30 age, you know. And to tell you the truth, I forgot what it was that he forgot. <laughs> You know, I mean, we kid around about forgetfulness, right? But really, it's a product of the fall that we should forget. You know, we, we, we kid around about, you know, uh, like, I hope I never get like that person, knock on wood. There must be somebody at the door. You know, we forget. That's a joke. Yeah, we forget. We're at the, we're, we find ourselves at, at the refrigerator. We don't know if we just put something away or if we're about to take something out. Ever find yourself at the foot of the stairs not realizing, did I just come down or am I on my way up? You know, we, we, it, it's a joke, right? We laugh about that because, because it, it, it shows our humanness, but it's a product of the fall that we should forget. But how could we forget all of the Lord's benefits? One of the reasons why we forget is, is because is because there are so many. There, there, there are so many interventions of God's kindness and his goodness in our life over the years of our experience that we forget. Did, did you know that, well, for the most part, the goal that is consumed uh, in our country on a yearly basis, most of it goes to making jewelry, the, the goal is. But did you know that there's, there's about a dollar's worth uh, of gold in, in, in all cell phones? Did you know that? I mean, it's only a dollar's worth, but, but, but when you add up the fact that there was probably one billion cell phones that were made last year, that's a lot of gold 
that's all kind of just, you know, all over the place, right? But, but the reason why we just kind of discard those cell phones when, when it's time to get a new one, you know, just shows that the, the abundance of something that may be kind of wasted and the abundance of God's blessings in our life, they're, they're easily forgotten. Moses repeatedly warned the children of Israel, do not forget. 25 times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, do not forget. Remember the Lord your God. It is he that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Let me just give you a sampling of that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says this. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments. Lest when you have eaten and are full and you've built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks have multiplied, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, then you say in your heart, by my power and the might of my hand I've gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish your covenant. Over and over, 25 times, Moses says, he warns the people, do not forget the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Why? I said this last week at the conclusion of our, our, of our series, our message last week, that the, the, the art of remembering is one of the most spiritual, powerful forces that we can implement in the life of a disciple because... We remember who we are in Christ, that we're heirs of God and and joint heirs with Christ, but mostly that we remember whose we are, that we have been bought by someone whose love is unfailing, someone who is altogether lovely, that we should never forget. Listen, did, did you ever read about the Persian king who couldn't sleep and who ordered that the reading of the chronicles of the empire be read to him and when they were read to him, he discovered that he had forgotten to be gracious to Mordecai, to one who had spoiled the, the uh, plot to assassinate the king. Have we, have we forgotten the deliverance that we have received of the Lord, that he has, that he has rescued us from the wrath which is to come? Do we take that for granted? Remember, remember, Joseph said to the butler, remember me before the, the Pharaoh when the prophetic word comes to pass. I wonder how many prophetic words have come to pass in our life that we've kind of forgotten. Or maybe, maybe it was someone that we said that we would remember them before the Lord in prayer and we kind of forgot to bring that person before the Lord. So forgetting is, is not a laughing matter. It's it's, it's a serious issue. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Let, let me just tell you something real practical, okay? No matter how old you are, or no matter how young you are, it's better off if you're young and you start now. But, but even if you know, you're as old as me or older than me, just go ahead and, and do it anyway. Write down, inscribe it, put it on paper. You know, the times of intervention that God has answered prayers, the times that God has revealed something about himself to you, write it down, put it in a book, put it in a journal, 
Do it because what that is, it's solidifying your history in God. And I always say this, blessed is the man, the woman that has a history by which they can draw back on of God's answers to prayer, of the intervention. It builds up your faith when you remember all that God has done for you. David did that. When he went against Goliath, he brought up past times of, of intervention. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the lion and from the, from the bear, he will deliver me also from this Philistine. We used to sing a song many years ago. It was, I don't know if it was a hymn or what. It was, it was count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done, and it will amaze you. It will surprise you to see how much God has done. Well, we have to count them. We have to record them. We have to make a record of the history of God's intervention in our life, and that becomes the springboard for not only our praise, but also our faith, because the God who rescued us in the past will rescue us in the future. Paul understood that. He said, the Lord who delivered us from so great a debt will also deliver us in the future. Amen? So he says, in verse 3, he says, who forgives all of our sins. When's the last time he just simply just began to just thank God for the forgiveness of sin? Do you realize that he has taken the handwriting of the record of our wrongs and he has nailed them to the cross. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ. All of our sins nailed to his cross. Past, present, and future sins removed from us as far as the east is from the west. He said, your sins and your iniquity I will remember no more. He doesn't remember them. He has purposely forgotten them. And that's pretty good. And then he says, connects that to, and he heals all of our diseases because in the mind of a Hebrew, there, 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 is, there, is, no, there is no forgiveness without also the healing of our diseases. And, and I do believe that this is looking forward to the anticipation of the one who was to come, who, who Isaiah said, who bore, our, who bore our weaknesses and our infirmities in his own body upon the, upon the tree, by whose bleeding stripes, we are healed, who was bruised for our iniquity, who was chastised for our peace was upon him. Jesus, Jesus associated healing and, 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 and the removing of sickness together. Remember when he said, what's easier for me to say to the man who was paralyzed, your, your, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk, but that you might know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man, get up and go home. And immediately, the man who could not walk, who was paralyzed, got up and he left. And there's something about this God who is gracious to forgive us and to heal us. But we remember, listen, we, we, we remember that when it, comes, when it comes to healing, that God is the sovereign Lord, that he's not obligated, he is gracious but he's not obligated, and you can't, you can't make him into Santa Claus or a genie. When Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, there was one man who he said to him, 
Would you like to be made well? He says, I don't have anybody to help me. That's an important question. And I, I, I share that because not everybody really wants to be made well because your life may change radically if you are made well. But, but there were many other people sick by that pool that day and only one Jesus went to. The interesting thing to me is David said this, who forgives all of our sins and who heals all of our iniquities because David had a child. David had a son that he prayed for and he fasted for and he went to God for. And he, know, he says, God, I know that there's something in your heart that I could touch so that you will change the, the situation and heal my child. And the child died. And when they perceived that, 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 that the child was dead. They were afraid. His servants were afraid to tell David because if he fasted and he sat in sackcloth and ash while his child was still alive but sick, what was he going to do? Was he going to harm himself? But David got up and washed himself and he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. David didn't change his mind that God is a healing God because his son was not healed. And we, listen, no matter how many times we pray for, we pray in faith, believing that, that God will, and then we leave it up to him. Can you say amen? He forgives us, and he heals us. The, 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 the enormity of the debt, you know, everybody's talking about the, the national debt today. You know, uh, little kids, you talk to little kids, they're worried about it. You know, because they've been told it's their problem, you know, when really it's all of our problem. Greece is on the verge of bankruptcy, you know. The national debt is, what, $15 trillion? I can't wrap my mind around that. I have no concept of, of that. But, but I've heard others, experts in the field say, it's actually when you add up all of the debt that's in America of, of every family, it's more like $45 trillion. It's a lot. But you know what? As much as that is, that's within the realm of possibility of paying down the debt. All we need is, you know, people in Congress who are not selfish, who, are, who, who, who can think with their brains instead of with their wallets. Amen? I just got a little political, you know? But, 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 but that's within the realm of possibility to, to pay down the debt. But listen, we had a debt that we couldn't pay. He owed a debt. No, he didn't owe a debt that he paid. Jesus took our sins away. We could have never, we could have worked for it for all eternity and never have removed one single sin from our souls. But he has forgiven us of all of our sins. And then it says, it says that he has redeemed your life from the pit. When's the last time you just were thankful that God has rescued you from, from hell? You know, the pit. Uh, David wrote in one of the Psalms, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I said before, he, David knew what it was like to be delivered from the jaw of the lion and from the paw of the bear and from the sword of the Philistine and from other you know, Philistines as well, and even from the hand of Saul, even from his own son Absalom. David knew God's mighty deliverance. But David's talking here about being delivered from a pit. And what is that pit of destruction? 
but it's eternal separation from God. You know, you and I would be, listen, me, let me just talk about this. I would just be grateful for that right there. You know, if that's the only thing, God, you do for me from now until, until I meet you in heaven and I stand before you in heaven, I don't ask you for anything else. That's, that's good, you know, just being rescued from hell for all eternity, I will be grateful. But that's not God, because God doesn't do things in half measures. God's not satisfied with just forgiving us. And he's not satisfied with healing us. And he's not satisfied with just rescuing us from the pit. He has a plan for us. And that plan has to do with coronation. And so he says that he crowns our head with loving kindness and tender mercies. He crowns us. There's a coronation that's coming with the most practical crown of all. Listen, crowns of gold and silver and, and studded jewels are of no value in eternity. Not when the pavement is gold. You know what I'm talking about? You know? Why are you trying to hoard up pavement? You know? It would be like us trying to hoard up in our house blacktop. You know? Dummy, it's all over the place. Well, the Bible says that that the streets of gold are are, are paved, you know, with gold. You know? Uh, so, So think about it. God has ordained that we should be crowned. He's not satisfied until we are seated with princes, until we ourselves have become kings and priests unto our God. That's God's plan and his purpose for us. A mighty coronation to take place. Loving kindness, tender mercy. These are the some of the reasons why we should be grateful and express praise to him, unabashed praise to him. Spurgeon tells a story of an incident that took place in the city of Stirling. Men were blasting castle rocks and the uh, explosion was set, the, the, the fuse was lit, and uh, while I suppose they probably yelled, you know, fire in the hole of some, of some, some warning like that, a little child from around a bend came running into the field of the explosion. And all the men that were involved in, in detonating that explosive just became frantic and began to wave and shout and scream at the child. And the child just, you know, looking at the frantic behavior of the men just froze in, in bewilderment. You might say that was an act of mercy to warn the child, but out from then came the child's mother. And seeing the danger that the child was in, she cried to her child, sweetheart, come to me now. And that little girl from that frozen stance ran with open arms into her mother's open arms. That's what's drawn us to him. It wasn't the shouts, the thunder peals of the law that we had broken the law and that we were, we were destined for doom. I thank God that he has delivered us from that, but that's not what brought us to him. We love him because he first loved us. It was, it was with cords of love that he has drawn us to himself. 
So I say this morning, these are just some of the 10,000 reasons that our heart finds to bless him this morning, to sing his praises, to, to worship him, to bless his name. The quest of discovering all of these reasons will never end. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would know you more and love you more and praise you more. And that through this series, Lord God, that you would begin this morning today with the unfolding of your nature, of your person. Your word says that from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So, Father, we praise you this morning with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And we pray for a release of blessing now, Father. There are so many more reasons why our hearts should be occupied with just loving you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate them, even even this week, in our devotion time, in our worship time, in our prayer time, that greater revelation would flow to this house. In Jesus' name.